calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. I want to take a second to tell you about a podcast I think you'll really like, Mayday. No one is prepared for disaster. No one knows exactly how they'll react in a plane crash, an earthquake, or when a lone gunman decides to open fire. On May Day, you'll hear about the people who had to find out, people whose stories deserve to be heard. Join hosts Maya Nalani and Luke Welland as they tell you about extraordinary people who found themselves in extraordinary circumstances. Listen to May Day wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this brand new spoiler review episode for What If Episode 6 here, Season 2, here on the Geek Bites from the Geek Buddies! <gasps> hey! Well, we're a couple of days away from, uh, or past Christmas, rather, heading towards New Year, but uh, Marvel has not let us down, dropping a new episode of What If Every Day, as they promised here. And this one, dare I say, one of the most unusual episodes of What If Ever, and one that kind of broke a lot of people in their reviews and their analysis and their feelings, very reminiscent of an Ahsoka Tano situation. This is a completely new character created in the mcu through the mcu it's a female character she's got incredible gifts it's set in the pre-colonialist days and what happens there uh, as her family as her tribe is confronted here mohawk tribe is confronted by these spanish conquistadors uh and uh, she eventually goes and uh, takes care of business with queen isabella by the end of this episode but the tesseract is involved Odin is involved. Ragnarok happens. Doctor Strange shows up at the end. This is one of the most incredible episodes. What if Gori reshaped the world? Michael, I start with you. Your thoughts initially over this episode. What's your feeling here, man? I mean, this is great. This 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 episode, you know, we've talked a lot about how what's fun about the what if episodes is we're ending the year feeling a little bit good about Marvel. It's mm. been a rough year. It's true. We've had we've had a couple highs, we've had a lot of lows. Um, but this, even more so than the other episodes that are fun nostalgia, let us see the characters we love. This was Marvel giving us something brand new. Yeah. Like this is the first time in the entire MCU where they've given us a brand. I mean, yes, they've created new characters for the movies, but the movies are by and large based around here is a character from the comics yeah. and we're adapting their story and we'll add some new characters. But this is a new 
lead in her story mm. that is brand new created just for uh the mcu for what if specifically and it was super cool and it was super interesting um yeah. and it broke all the rules of what if i mean the what if character for the majority of this episode is the tesseract yes um right, and just right. seeing the tesseract land in uh you know pre-colonial uh north america yeah you see all these great things happen, but to have this episode have it sp uh, almost entirely spoken uh, in the Mohawk language with mm -hmm. a little bit of Spanish thrown in, yeah. um, a whole bunch of brand new characters, and telling us this very epic story that they worked with uh, uh, indigenous advisors to sort of make sure they got really legit. Mm -hmm. um, it was just, it was new, it was different, it was unexpected. I didn't quite know what was gonna be happening next. And I have my theories on how it's gonna tie into the next few episodes. So I'm really excited yeah. about all of it, but I thought it was great. I thought Kahori was awesome. And I just was like, this was a big smile on my face. Thank God Marvel still has some creative juices in them, their hills. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the tr they, it was made in collaboration with the citizens of the Kainikaha tribe, which is the Mohawk Nation uh, that is uh, centers on the Kaori, Wata, Atarex, and their tribes. Those are the characters in the episode, as you mentioned here, Michael. Yes, almost exclusively in Mohawk, in the Mohawk language, of course, other than the Watcher and Doctor Strange coming in at the end. And we have the Spanish, Spain Spanish, and people maybe need to understand this is still white people as uh, uh, Spain Spaniards are seen by a number of uh, Latin America, a number of countries in Latin America, uh, European Spaniards are seen as white people coming in colonizing here. So the story still carries weight in what it is telling us. And look, one of the big criticisms I've had with MCU with some of these Disney Plus shows and some of the topics they bring up, I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the desire to tackle these subjects and be a little more socially conscious. They don't always land the tar uh, land the plane, and I think this one absolutely did from top to bottom, uh, from beginning to end. I was caught up in the story. I thought they had the right amount of respect and appreciation, but also kept it within the fantastical world of the MCU and introduced some incredible new characters here. Shannon, what did you think about this, watching it uh, uh, as an unusual episode here in this season of What If? I mean, I think the creative team needs to be given a hand because mm. this took this took some this took some uh, some chutzpah. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> um, agreed. This it was a big swing. Yeah, I think on paper, uh, as a fan of the MCU, the idea that the the thing that we love about What If, as you guys both already said, was getting to see the characters that we know and love in different situations and on different mm. features. Um, the idea on paper of like, hey, we're going to introduce a new hero. Um, uh, on paper, I'd be like, eh, why? Like, you know, you have so many toys in the toy box. Why don't you concentrate on getting some of these right versus tackling this brand new adventure? But after watching the episode, it's like, hot damn, that was that did for the MCU what I think Prey did for Predator. I oh, mean, it was, just, yeah. it was just something brand new that we hadn't <clears> seen. <throat> the only element that was really present, as uh, Vogel already said, was was the Tesseract, a shattered Tesseract. Mm. So you have this space inter space stone energy bleeding into this forbidden lake. Um, it was just, again, had no idea where it was going to go, had no idea where and or if it was going to tie into anything. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was really, really good. And I'm very curious. I would have to think that they have plans for Kahori outside of what if. It feels like. Um, 
but uh, but obviously we don't know. Um, but it seems like this is a this is a character that could really you know breathe some life into uh, into the MCU right now. I mean, she was yeah. she was a lot of fun to watch. Well, not just Kahori, her brother Wata, her friend Atarax that she meets down in the Sky World, the entire people there, and there's. There's some interesting symbolism to have discussions about later on down the road in this, in this review for sure. But, um, Michael, I'll back to you again. This is such an interesting story. I've seen, we're not going to mention any names, but I've seen a prominent uh, pundit on YouTube complain that do we need yet another Native American superhero in the Marvel Universe when we have Echo just around the corner? Yet when you see this episode, how the hell could you not be excited to see more from this world, from this character? How did you think they constructed Kaori from the beginning here? She's taking care of her brother. She has knowledge of the land. She, they stumble upon this um, air, this battlefield here. It wasn't blessed afterwards. Therefore, that's why you see the skulls and all of that. She goes and sees her village being burnt. They run away from these conquistadors. They stumble into this lake, uh, they, which they initially had seen. It was just a, a pond with ducks. But when they ran back and fell through this hole, they see the lake they're talking about. She falls through. When she gets there, it's such an incredible, vibrant, magical world. The right colors, I think, with that light blue theme throughout that matches the Tesseract. And then she's enjoying the world, and she's coming into her own very quickly, but then realizes, I've got to go back. I've got to fight for my people. I want to do what's right. And while they're all sitting there like, well, we don't want to, we're not really warriors, just going to chill out here. We love being immortal and all of that. She's like, no, we've been given special powers. We have a responsibility. And she's the one that goes and attacks those conquistadors, wipes them out, and then goes and confronts Isabella and has one of the most, I think, one of the most gutsy decisions to have her show up and really show her power to a ruler there. And then Strange comes out. So what did you think about her story as it progressed throughout this particular episode and how it unfolded for her character-wise? Well, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they have plans for Kahori outside of this or not. Uh, she does live in a completely separate part of the multiverse than yeah. our mainline Marvel universe. Um, I, I think, and we'll get into this later when we get into Dr. Strange showing up, mm. I think she was reverse engineered um, as they were adapting 1602. That's my big theory oh, for what's going, where okay. we're going with all this. I think okay. that uh, we'll get into it with Doctor Strange when he yeah. shows up and says he's been looking for Kahori for a long time. But uh, we, I will, without getting into spoilers of the 1602 graphic novel, mm. I think when they were like, how do we kind of take this story and adapt it? And they needed a character slash event. And I think they're like, hey, why don't we do something new? And the development of that led to Kahori. So I think that's sort of where she sort of came from. I could be wrong. I could be a hundred percent wrong. It's a solid we theory. will know. We will know in the next three days if I am yeah. right or not. Um, but beyond that, I think what's great about her as a character is: look, we anytime you have a female character that's introduced who's brand new, particularly uh, if it is a female character of color, you get people talking Mary Sue. You get people talking, yeah. "Why are you shoving this down our throat?" You get talking, and I don't know that we're going to get that as much with Kahori. As you said, we've already gotten it a little bit, but I think she's just a really great, well-constructed character. And I mm -hmm. think part of what makes her work is that she's a little bit of everyone that we love in the MCU. Mm -hmm. um, her entire story, when she's talking to those other people in the Sky World, she's kind of saying, "Hey, guys." We all have great power. I think we have a great responsibility here. <laughs> I mean, she pretty yeah. much represents that. Yeah. When she, when, when, uh, when the other guy is Atarax. Yeah. When Atarax is like, look, other people have tried. 
and and they failed. Like you're you're not gonna do it. She basically looks at him and says, "I could do this all day." Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's a super speedster. She gets her powers in basically the same way Captain Marvel did. And then at the end, she goes full Magneto. I mean, mm -hmm. they really took this character and totally crafted her to be authentically Mohawk, authentically indigenous, yeah. but they also filled her with a whole lot of Marvel love. And so she just feels like this feels like a great, I mean, and obviously her origin is the Tesseract, which is kind of in the MCU, kind of, you know, one of the central hubs of yeah. what made the first three phases work. So she's, you know, she's very authentic in an indigenous way, but she's also very authentic in a Marvel Cinematic Universe way. And I think that's why yeah. she sort of really works. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I find it fascinating when people get upset. You know, lately we've seen this, right? That female characters, all of a sudden they can do everything. But here's the deal. These are the stories we tell. You know, when I watch the NBA, again, I'm getting into sports, right? All those people can play basketball. And they've been gifted with the ability to play basketball at a high level. But the Michael Jordans, the Magic Johnsons, the LeBron James, those are the people that are elevated because they've been blessed with a certain kind of talent. And those are the ones you tell the most stories about are those people. Those are people you focus on. Those are the people the reporters want to talk to. When you look at heroes – Everyone gets blessed with a certain amount amongst the hero world, but there's certain heroes that stand out. So when you're blessed with certain talent, you get you stand out in a certain way, and that's the story that's being told here. We could have heard the Otterock story. We could have had the story of all the other people that were there, the older woman who was able to separate those things. Like We could have told that story, but the story we're telling is her story, and in her story, she was able to grab on and use her powers quickly and be a natural talent. And that's an exciting story to tell. And so when people get upset about this stuff, I just go, you're insane. Like, you're that's, insane. This is fun, you know? But that's also not the reason we're telling her story. And I, think I don't know what, what the reason is. I didn't write it. So I don't know what I, the well, reason it, Well, what I'm saying is... Yeah. We're, what makes her story special is not that she gets that she gets the hang of things quick. Like at no point do they all go, "Oh my God, you got the powers the quickest. You are the strongest. You must lead us." Like that's no, not what right. the story is. the The reason we're telling her story, the reason that sets her apart from all of the others, isn't that she's more powerful. Isn't that she is naturally more gifted. She goes back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she right. does the thing that none of them did. And again, like I like I was saying, she does with great power goes comes great responsibility. So I think right. part of the key here is they weren't trying to say, oh, look at this character. She's more powerful than anyone who's ever come before. I mean, she might be. She did catch on pretty quickly. But what makes her story special is tried and true Marvel stuff. Like she was like, I'm going to go help the others. And you should too, if you, and she and she even says, if you are worthy of this place, again, dropping a really important word as far as like Asgard and Thor goes, if you're worthy, you'll come back too. Right. But but that is an extension of who she is. And that's my whole point. The reason I think she can uh, she adapts to the power so quickly, the reason she she's been chosen, she's been gifted in some way, and she understands that gift in that moment. And I think that's why. It's part of the reason why we're telling her story. Yes, I, I agree with you, Michael. Shannon, what did you think about her character throughout here, the things that she goes through, how she evolves, how she kind of has these uh, stumbles when she's trying to climb out, you know, very reminiscent of Ms. Marvel trying to create those steps there. What did you think of how, how they did all this? And as Michael pointed out, touching on the Marvel stuff, but also letting her stand on her own in, the, in a natural storytelling type of way. I, I mean, I thought it was done really well. And mm -hmm. and to, to your guys' point, it's not that she was gifted more powers. It's what right. she decided to do with them. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, essentially Sky World, the way I took it, like, all right, this is this is like heaven. 
This is afterlife. This is, you know, we're living in paradise. Look at all the things that we can do here. Why would you want to go back? Right. And because of her devotion to her family and to her people, that's the reason she was able to bring the portal from the sky down to the ground to enable them to go back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I thought I thought her story tracked really well. And getting to getting to that scene in Spain where she confronts the, you know, the queen, um, you know, this is this is Steve Rogers. This yeah. is standing up to a bully. Um, and the whole idea that um getting to uh getting to teach a smug monarch a lesson um <laughs> in in her own throw room like like she literally isabella literally watched these people come out of a glowing blue portal yeah <laughs> and said how dare you speak this way to me and you know what uh uh Corey wasn't speaking wasn't speaking out of anger no she was speaking very matter-of-factly like, of strength yeah this is what this is how things have been they're not going to be this way anymore. <laughs> and the, the uh, indignation of yeah. how dare you like, and she's literally, she, she's holding her up with her telekinetic powers. And she's like, yeah. set me down. And it's only when that throne gets destroyed yeah. that she yeah. looks at her and is like, Oh, I may have bitten off more than I can chew in this. <laughs> one. Um, so it was just a very, it's a very cathartic experience watching a bully get their comeuppance. Yeah, I, I felt such a great love for this character as the show went along because I just really liked that she is a person of purpose. And um, the Watcher says that at the end, right? She, has a, she had a conviction and she pursued it, which alludes to what you just said, Michael. She had a conviction. She pursued it. Whether she failed or the miracles, she stayed the same track. She knew what was the right thing to do in her mind. And yeah, does she use a little passive aggressive uh, nail? Oh, you got to be worthy of this place. Yeah, a little bit of shot to try to motivate them to come up and help and fight. Yes, because she's trying to say, you guys have lost the plot. You're so happy out here. You're forgetting that there are other people who are suffering, that you can help other people with your power. So there's a, there's a really, there's a strength not just built from her abilities, but built from her desire to do the right thing. And the other way, the other thing that I think they handle here really smartly is they don't make her all of a sudden like an incredible ninja warrior and can do all these moves. The things that she's doing are pretty basic stuff, pretty that you would instinctually do to try to defend the people you love, try to save your brother, take him off that ship, fight that conquistador, all of that that goes on. And I thought that was really well done. And of course, a lot of love to Devery Jacobs, who is the actress who voiced uh, voice Kahori, and she is. She was raised in the Kanawaki Mohawk territory. Of course, if you guys watch Reservation Dog, she's one of the series regulars from the Reservation Dog series. And she'll be in two episodes of Echo. So an interesting kind of crossover. She won't be playing Kaori. She's playing a character named Julie. But going to be interesting to see her in live action uh, be a part of Echo. So that'll be fun to see as well. All right, let's let's get into the Doctor Strange stuff. Uh, uh, Shannon, I'll go back to you. What do you think happens here with Doctor Strange showing up at the end? coming through i know michael knows what's happened so he's gonna have to walk the line not spoiling anything from 1602 but you've just recently read it can you tell us what you think might be going on here and why this happened uh without spoiling anything well when last we left uh yeah. dark dark door strange um he was manning the watch over zola and killmonger yeah um and basically agreed with uatu that this is what he would do 
forever, if I'm remembering it correctly. Mm. Um, so wh- why he shows up, why he's looking for Kahori specifically, I'm not actually sure. Like thinking back to 1602, um, <laughs> there, there's, there's a thing. There's a thing, but I, I don't, I can see how it could be done, but at the same time, like, I don't want to get, I don't want to give anything away, but, um, you know, it's impossible not to go onto IMDb and look at the names of the episodes Mm. going forward. And one of them is what if Supreme Strange, which is the incorrect name for Dr. Strange, um, what if Supreme Strange intervened? Yeah. And what is he intervening? Is Kahori his intervention? Like, I'm very, I'm very curious. I, again, I will, I will let Michael dance yeah. around the uh, plot specific, <laughs> plot specifics of 1602 and see Mike, what he comes up with. Go well, ahead. yeah, I mean, I don't think it's spoiling anything to say that what 1602, the comic, is about is about all the Marvel characters that we know and love, from Spider-Man to Doctor Strange to uh-huh. Nick Fury to Daredevil to the X-Men, showing up in literally 1602. Um, and there is a specific reason. Uh, there was an inciting event mm. that happens in the 1602 comics uh, that something comes to 1602 or several years prior to 1602 that shouldn't be there that sort of causes all these things to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the Tesseract landing a good deal before it ever should have and being cracked and causing an entire tribe of indigenous peoples to get Tesseract powers feels like a pretty good inciting reason. <laughs> and if you look up historically, uh, Queen Isabella's reign, I believe she died in like 1504 or something. Mm. It's like the first few years of the 1500s. So it's about a hundred years before 1602. Yeah. So if for whatever reason, um, Dr. Strange Supreme was, uh, was trying to figure out why this one part of the multiverse had all of these Marvel characters running around and yeah. was backtracking, eventually he would find Kahori and be like, oh yeah, you're the reason, this is what's going on. So that would be my guess, is that okay. they've switched her story out with the events of 1602 and saying, okay, well, this is why in our version we're gonna do this. And he's looking for her because it's a problem, and he's looking for her for the same reason that we saw Wanda Maximoff, and, or a version of Wanda Maximoff and Nick fury pull peggy carter into their world um because some shit's going down so i kind of feel like and as shannon's right you know i think we have three episodes left i think one is the one tomorrow uh we're gonna get some kate blanchett love yeah and then i think the one after that is specifically 1602 in the title and the one after that is what if strange supreme intervened so uh i think at least two of those are going to tie into what we saw at the end of the Captain Carter episode and what we saw happening in this episode. Okay. What do you think of the animation here, Michael? Uh, the vibrancy, the colors that they use, the, just the composition of some of these uh, shots and frames and, uh, that we saw here. What do you think? I mean, absolutely beautiful. You know, most of the time what we're doing with What If is we're watching them recreate some of our favorite set pieces, mm. planets, locations from the movies that we've loved. But here... They had a blank slate, and I think they really made the most of it. Um, I think, uh, you know, pre-colonial America looked great. Um, I think the world that they went to, the world of the, that they thought was the world of the sky people, um, was just absolutely gorgeous and imaginative. Yeah. And even just all of the effects with the Tesseract and the portal and everything, and even when they told the story and you saw all the stars and the constellations, like, I feel like they just, you know, sometimes you can tell with an episode that the animation team really loved working on an episode and this is one where you can really see just 
there's a lot of love in it. Like it really just feels like it got a little bit of extra TLC because they really were excited about the story they were telling. Yeah. What about you, Shannon? The animation and also some of the action sequences that we saw in this, you know, you're the action guy on the geek buddies. What did you think about uh, some of those scenes in the vibrancy of the animation throughout this episode? I mean, we've seen a lot of Tesseract action in the main MCU and they were able to take something that was familiar and put their own, own unique spin on it because they're adding in the factor of like the thing that it has been cracked open. So it's going to look a little differently from Captain Marvel. It's going to look a little differently from the way it was portrayed in Avengers, a little differently from the way it's uh, portrayed in the first Avenger. Um, so yeah, I thought it looked super good. I love the way how all of the, all of the people look when they're, when they're kind of, you know, uh, uh, tesseract out with the energy, like the way that they get the, you know, the markings, the way their eyes are glowing. Um, also to what Vogel said about the things that, you know, we usually see, see events and places we've seen already. I love, I love a giant wooden ship. And I think, you know, watching an action sequence there, I could have, I could have had um, an hour more of that. I mean, I love the, the melding of those two worlds, sort of the magical and the real world. I mean, yeah. it would, it looked great. Mike? Well, and I think also just visually, they had a lot of fun with um, kind of, it was a bit more subtle than we're used to with what if, but like, you know, we, we opened this episode with uh, Ragnarok with Asgard mm -hmm. burning to the ground. And then we see her village a little bit later, literally burning to the ground. Yeah. And then you just can't help but, you know, when she goes out there, that shot when, uh, when the conquistador Gonzalo, like turns and sees her and she's standing there all by herself. And it's just her against this entire armada, uh, the Spanish armada and she's fighting and then she gets, and then she gets knocked down. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all of those eyes come on in the background and you see the yeah. entire troop. I mean, that's the portal scene. I mean, she's Cap, and she got yeah. a little bit of hay on your left, and they all showed up, and then you saw this epic superhero throwdown. And I just, again, like, I you just, like, it was great to see them do, the, do what Marvel does best, but in a way that was fresh and new. Because there were, like I said, there were so many things, if you were looking for it, that felt Marvel. I mean, you can't watch a character go like this and stop bullets yeah, yeah, yeah. and not think of Magneto. So like, there's just like, there's all these little bits that they did that made it feel like Marvel, which is what What If does. It kind of recontextualizes the stuff we love, yeah. but they did it in a way they've never done it before. And so it just felt really exciting to me. Yeah. And I thought there was symbolism here in the story, right? And you got, you know, I'm the one that kind of goes out on a limb sometimes with some of the symbolism. And I think for me, this, <laughs> this thing of her telling them, look. Like, you know, we're in a time now where there are people pushing back on people who want to help. There are people pushing back on people who want to highlight historical or systemic injustices in our worlds, in our societies, in our countries, uh, and in the people in charge, all those things. And her going down into the sky world and she's, you know, she gets the powers and she figures it all out. And I think this speech that she says to them about like, you look, I've got to go back. I've got to go back because you guys have been sitting here, but you have the power to help. And in a way, she's saying you can't actually sit out this fight. You've got to help your people. There's a responsibility you have. And I think that's like a message being sent out to other people. If you can help, if you're blessed with gifts, whether it's wealth or the ability to speak or a platform or something that elevates you above what other people can do, then your responsibility is to help the world be a better place, to fight injustice, to fight against these people who'd want to take things that are not theirs in a way, you know, really specifically land in this particular scenario. And I kind of like that so that when they show up at the end, there's a validation to that 
and they do help and they understand and they get it. And so there's something satisfying in all that. I love they went the extra route to have her confront Isabella. I did not anticipate that. And that was gutsy. That to me is the gutsiest part of the whole episode because a lot of people are like, well, you know, you don't want to go that far. Like, okay, they got rid of the conquistadors. Let's all just celebrate this battle. The fact that she went straight to the source and went toe-to-toe with this woman and elevated her, shattered her throne, and put her on her knees, I thought was gutsy as fuck, man. So I kind of love that. So there but you I go. also love, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, the way they contextualize it by saying, like, clearly Gonzalo failed, and then they sent more people there. Like, by the right. time you get to, like, it's been a while, right. and she, they finally show up, and she's speaking Spanish, uh, yeah. Spain Spanish, right. um, to her. And But, I like, what I love is, and again, because they, she's this hero, she's got that Captain America thing going for her. Like, she doesn't show up to say, hey, bitch, cool it, don't make me come for you. She literally shows up and says, hey, if you're healthy, we're healthy. Like... Yeah. We're neighbors, we're neighbors and we all, we need to be at peace. Like that's better for like, it's better for you if we're at peace, it's better for us if we're at peace. And then it's not until Isabella sort of throws down and says, fuck that shit that she's like, okay, just to be clear, (laughs) I'm not asking. Yeah, like right. uh, I don't have to get your permission for this, yeah. but you know, I mean, I thought it was good that they they very much and very intentionally made her the best of the Marvel heroes. I mean, everything you just said about the symbolism, you're like, yeah. yes, when people have great power, they have a responsibility. It yeah. is it is Marvel 101. So I think they've mar- they very much placed her in the right position. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that we're going to see more of Kahori this season. Agreed. Uh, Shannon, anything we missed? Uh, should we talk about anything else that you want to talk about? Or we got it? Did we cover everything? No, I think we got okay. it. Yeah, Mikey, anything else? We'll go. I, think, I think we got it. Okay, I think, I think we, we got, got it. it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for watching this spoiler review episode of What If, Season 2, Episode 6, of the introduction of Kohori here. So it's going to be fun to see what more we're going to get from her, and not just her, if there are these other characters from this episode that show up down the road in What If as well. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, like follow us on social media on Twitter. It's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca says. Mikey? Um, while you're at it, you can smash that like button, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, leave your comments below, let us know what you thought about this episode. If you're listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments that will go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing you can do is retweet this, post it on your social, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. We'll be doing this every day now, all the way up to the 30th. So look for these spoiler reviews of What If coming to you all the rest of the week, leading you into the new year. Thank you all so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the Geek Buddies here on the Geek Buddies! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.